uh, 20, but we'll start in verse 7. Um, I hope that you guys uh, were blessed, at, were as blessed as I was by Reese and Stoney's messages over the last two weeks. Um, they did a faithful, hold up, I'll talk about them in a second. I just want to point out a little controversy at VBS. We had a bunch of prizes. And a lot of them went to the same families. So, I don't know if that's what this is about. Nah, cheaters. Just kidding. Um, no, Reese and Stoney did a fantastic job, faithful job of opening the scriptures and telling us what it says and pointing us to Jesus for uh, eternal life. Whether that's um, in the face of persecution with Herod, as, as Reese, I mean, as Stoney pointed out, or in the face of a stormy sea with Peter, as, as Reese pointed out. Um, so I just want to commend you guys. That was that was great all week long. That was a good point, you know, <laughs> um, going through it. I'll say more later in the year about the blessing of having a, a plurality of called, qualified, and sincere elders in the body. But for now, I just want to say thank you to you guys putting your hand to, to the plow. Okay, uh, next thing that I just wanted to say before this, uh, anytime we talk about uh, VBS, the Owens and Faiths and Reese's hang out a lot. And Michelle always talks about when she was at VBS, uh, are Jim and Helen here? Wow, lightning. Okay. Anyway, um, Michelle always talks about. I came home from VBS with a bench that uh, that Jim helped helped us uh, make, and so I was thinking this week, um, someday, uh, Jara and Carly and everyone that helped, you will be Helen's, and there will be Michelle's um, behind you from VBS. And I was like, that's that's awesome. Okay. We'll get sappy if we keep doing that. Matthew fifteen nine turn or fifteen seven. We'll change gears here. Hypocrites. Okay. <laughs> Isaiah prophesied about you correctly when he said that would just you, the hair would crawl up, go up on your neck. About you correctly when he said, "This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. They worship me in vain, teaching as doctrines." Human commands, and then to verse 19, for from the heart come evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, sexual moralities, theft, false testimonies, slander. These are the things that defile a person, but eating with unwashed hands does not defile a person. Okay, this is God's word. So uh, just coming right out of last week, Jesus and the disciples have crossed the lake. Peter's soaking wet. Everyone else got across dry. Um, and another crowd immediately surrounds them. And, and Jesus heals everyone that touches uh, his robe. So bam, 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 bam. No, no rest for these, these guys, right? So that's why I think Jesus gets away and prays so often because everyone's always up in his business. Okay? So now here, Jesus is approached, Matthew 15, not by your run-of-the-mill Pharisees, okay, many of which would have been uh, godly, upright guys, okay, uh, but he's uh, pr- approached here by the Pharisees from Jerusalem, okay. So Stony pointed this out a couple weeks ago. The Pharisees from Jerusalem are the big dogs, okay. They're the ones that Jesus has his uh, barbs with the most. They're the ones who sit in Moses' seat in the temple and they teach the Torah. But the issue here in Matthew 15 is not that they're teaching. Um, the Bible, okay, it's that they're teaching their tradition over and above the Bible, okay, which is a, if you don't know, it's a big no-no, 
Okay, do not, which is our point today, okay? Then, then Jesus, verse 1, was approached by the Pharisees and scribes from Jerusalem, who asked, why do your disciples break, not the law, but why do they break the tradition of the elders? For they don't wash their hands when they eat, okay? So this is kind of a double-edged uh, barb here. They're insulting Jesus' disciples because they aren't following the traditions um, of the elders. And they're insulting Jesus, right? If you're such a good rabbi, Jesus, if you're such a good teacher, how have you not even taught them this basic tradition, right? How do they not know this? So Jesus responds, you know, well, okay, why do you break God's commands for the sake of your tradition? You know, like, which, which is worse? You guys want to play this game, so... Let's play it. All right. So notice just one thing quick. Jesus is not dismissing the tradition by itself as bad. Jesus is a good Jew. Jesus is the best Jew. Jesus is the uh, ideal Jew. So without question, Jesus, as the best Jew, right, would have participated in first century Jewish traditions, just like you as Americans Participate in 21st century traditions, just what you do. But as the ideal Jew, Jesus would have never, ever, ever, ever elevated the traditions of men uh, over God's commands. So he answered, why do you break God's commandments because of your tradition? And then he gives an example. Verse four, for God said, right, God, not the tradition. God said, honor your father and mother. Whoever speaks evil of father or mother must be put to death. But you say, so here's the tradition, whoever tells his father or mother, whatever benefit you might have received from me is instead going to be a gift committed to the temple. That guy does not have to honor his father or mother. That's the tradition. In this way, you have nullified the word of God because of your tradition. Okay, so here's what's happening. God says, honor your father and mother and do not curse them. Okay, you guys have read that Exodus, Deuteronomy, Leviticus. Um, And that doesn't mean just think nice thoughts about your parents and don't cuss them out. Though you should think nice thoughts about your parents and and um, not cuss them out. The, the general understanding, like the full weight of this commandment is that you take care of them in their old age. OK, this is what it means to honor your father and mother. The first century is wait like they don't have hospice. They don't have, uh, you know, nursing. Home. Like we don't have all the stuff that we have. When you get old, it's up to your family to totally take care of you. And so this is a massive part, an important part of Jewish culture and from from Sinai, honor your father and mother. But even the Gentiles get this, okay? which is rare, right, that we get something right. Uh, Spanish culture, right? Who lives at home? The abuelita, right? Maybe you don't know. Drive all over Tonkawa. All the family in, in Spanish families live together. It's normal. It, it's their tradition. They're honoring their parents in that way. Japanese culture, the Sobo, lives at home in the Disney cartoon. She's always mean. Okay? <laughs> uh, uh, British culture, I don't know if this is in reality, but in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, Grandma Joe, <laughs> Grandma Josephine and Grandpa Joe and... Like four other aunts and uncles are all in a bed the size of this stage in the house. Okay. Anyway, that's the command of God. Honor your father and mother. All right. Take care of them. But the tradition of the elders in the first century uh, circumvents this a little bit. Okay. For they say, look, yes, honor your father and mother. But if you have uh, money that you were going to use to honor your father and mother, but you can use it to send it as a gift to the temple instead, why don't you just go ahead and do that? 
Okay? Evil. Okay? E- evil, evil, evil. It, it, it's, and it's called a korban. It's like in your will, I have this house, this money, this whatever, and I'm going to designate this to go to go um, to the temple. Okay? Now, I think by itself, that tradition is fine. And I think believers in the present day should do the same. If you have stuff left over when you die, give it to a gospel preaching ministry. Give it to people who are going to make disciples. But if that comes into contact with the commands of God, you go with the command of God and you honor your father and mother. Does that make sense? Okay, so tradition might say it goes to the temple, but God's law says it goes to your parents. Well, if these Pharisees are from Jerusalem, where the temple is, what are they encouraging people to do? Give it to their parents or give it to the temple where they will benefit from it. Okay, it's really evil. This is a a, a bad thing. And it's especially evil because it looks like they're honoring the Lord. Right. I'm giving this money to God. And it looks good outwardly, but inwardly it's wicked because you're supposed to follow God's commands, okay? They are not encouraging the tradition over the scripture because they actually think tradition is above the commandment. Like, they would never, ever, ever say that, but they're doing this and encouraging tradition over the commandment because they have wicked hearts, that, that's what's going on here. And worse than their wicked hearts, they're disguising it as godliness. Like, like it's just, it's the height of, of evil, okay? If you really loved God, Jesus says you would follow his commands, right? Obedience is better than what looks like um, sacrifice, okay? The tradition, it looks good, given, given your gift to the temple. But it's not obedience to the commands of God from the heart. And that's the whole issue here. Jesus' main point in this entire controversy here, uh, Mark chapter 7 also, um, is, is their heart because of what he says next. Verse 7, hypocrites. Isaiah prophesied about you when he said, this people honors me with their lips. Okay? Yeah, we're given to the temple. We love God. But their heart is far from me. They worship me in vain. How? How does Isaiah say these guys are worshiping him in vain? By teaching as doctrine, as God's truth, Human commands, like they're putting them not only on the same level, the commands of men over the commands of God. They worship me in vain by, due to their wicked hearts, elevating their tradition above God's commands. And so the Pharisees are attacking Jesus here because they think they're scoring a point um, based on ritual purity. The disciples aren't washing their hands. One, that doesn't work because it's not anywhere in the law to wash your hands, though you should. Nurses, right? You guys wash your hands, okay? (laughs) All right? Um, It's not in the law, but Jesus turns the table and says, the issue here is not ritual impurity, okay? And I won't go into this, but even, even if it was ritual impurity, that's an easy fix, okay? So you guys open up to Leviticus and you start to read through the, the um, purity code and stuff. You know how you fix ritual impurity? You take a bath. You know, like you wash and wait, basically, right? It's an easy fix. You touch a corpse on accident, wash your hands, all right? Take a bath, wait a couple days, and go to the temple. You have a baby, they have to wait longer, honestly. If you have a baby in, in first century, like, you, or Moses' day, you got to wait a long time. But ritual impurity, there's nothing wrong with it. It's not a sin. You just, you touched a dead ox, okay? It's not a sin. The issue is not moral, or is not ritual impurity. Jesus' problem with these guys, their problem is moral impurity. 
which is a big deal. The issue is sin that flows from the heart. They are ritually fine, but morally they are impure. The, the motives of their hearts, what's driving them to elevate tradition over the commandment, they're jacked up. And that's a real problem because moral impurities, contra ritual impurities, are sinful and are not easily removed. You need more than water to get rid of what's going on in here. That was true in Moses' day. It's true in Jesus' day. It's true in our day. So verse 10, summoning the crowd, he told them, listen. And, and, and so he's talking to them, and now he turns to the crowd, like putting these guys on, you know, this is the Facebook post instead of. So don't do this because you're not Jesus. All right. Okay. Summoning the crowd, he told them, listen and understand. It's not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth. This is what defiles a person. Then verse 18, for what comes out of the mouth comes from the heart. And this thing defiles a person for from the heart come evil thoughts, murders, adultery, sexual morality, theft, false testimonies, and on and on and on. These are the things that defile a person. But eating with unwashed hands does not defile a person, okay? Like we've been in Matthew for a long time. It's just the Sermon on the Mount over and over and over and over. Blessed are the pure in heart for there they will see God. They will approach God in Zion, walk up his holy hill and, and see him. Psalm 15 that Amanda read this morning, like like this issue of a pure heart is not like a small thing to be put to the side or, or whatever. This to not have a defiled heart is everything. OK, like we're talking being raised to glory or being raised to damnation. Like it's a big deal. Psalm 15. Oh, Lord. Who shall sojourn in your tent? Who shall dwell? Who shall live on your holy hill? Who's going to live in Zion? He who walks blamelessly and does what is right and speaks truth in his heart. So without a pure and undefiled heart, David says, Jesus says, Moses says, you are unable. You are not allowed to approach God on his holy hill. It's a big deal. It's the biggest deal. It's, it's really all you should be worried about ever. Okay, this is the deal. So we're, we're reading this. Um, our question should be, now, moving out of the first century into Tonkawa today, how do I get a pure heart? Right? If I want to get raised from the dead, approach God in, in Zion, and I need a pure heart to do that, how do I get it? How do I get rid of what defiles Okay, so I'm reading Matthew 15, 19 this week, out of the heart, come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, all, all the stuff. And I'm reading it like, oh, yeah, I, I got some of that going on, floating around. In here, I read um, Jeremiah 17, 9. He says, the heart is deceitful above all things. And it, uh, Jeremiah says, it's beyond cure, which is depressing. <laughs> oh, okay. It's beyond cure. And I'm reading Jeremiah. I'm tracking with you, Jeremiah. I have been deceived by this thing more than one time. This, this is this, this reality of an, an incurable, defiled heart. It's, it's the reality of all men, all women. And the only solution to it, the only cure, the only way to be cleansed is to cry out to God. Call on the mercy of God and pray with David from Psalm 51. Okay. So if, if you've been in our church for, you know, the last 
seven years at least. We hit Psalm 51 like every Sunday, I feel like. Like over and over and over. We pray, have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, God, blot out my transgressions. Right? It's washing language. Verse 2, wash me thoroughly from iniquity. So in, in Leviticus, you've got like levels of, of sin, right? And, and actually the word for sin is not actually that bad. Just take a bath. You've got iniquity like something's got to die. So wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. Verse 10, create in me, God, a pure heart. You, you do this thing. Oh, God, renew a steadfast spirit within me. So Jeremiah says the heart, the wickedness, the deceptiveness of the heart is incurable. It cannot be fixed. But David prays like what Jesus will say later with God, all things can be fixed, right? With God, all things are possible. So now that Jeremiah is wrong, Jesus is just, you know, he gets to do that. Okay. And so this is what we're called to believe. So if you're asking, how do I get a pure heart? How do do I get an undefiled heart before God so that I can approach him now in prayer and approach him then in, in reality? Okay. Repent. And cry out to the mercy of God. Create in me, God, a, a clean heart according to your mercy. Not, not of good that I have done, but nothing but the blood of Jesus. Like this is, this is the game. You do Psalm 51 every day. Have mercy on me, O God, a sinner. Wash me, cleanse me from this stuff. And he'll do it. That's the cool part, right? When you repent, God actually forgives. God actually washes and cleanses. So that, that's first. You want a clean heart. Cry out to God for mercy. Second, to get a pure heart, to be rid of defilement, we have to cultivate biblical hope. Okay? Biblical hope leads to a pure heart. Biblical hope is, is just broadly the judgment of the wicked and the restoration of, of all things. All right? Biblical hope is God's means of purifying our hearts before the day of the Lord. So, First John, see what kind of love the father has given to us that we should be called children of God. And so we are. I have a, a exclamation point. It's not there, in, but I put it in my Bible. We're called children of God. You know, like, woo! like so we are like if that hits you, you turn cartwheels. OK, you do that. Or uh, I could do front flips my whole childhood at the pool. Couldn't do it last night. Just kept hitting my back over and over and over. But it's because I was meditating on 1 John 3. So, beloved, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared. Okay? So, what has not yet appeared? The day of the Lord, the kingdom of God, the resurrection of the dead. Our blessed hope has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears... At his day, we shall be like him because we shall see him. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see him as he is. Verse 3, and everyone who thus hopes in him. Okay, biblical hope. So I think about it this way. If your life is a washing machine, which moms it might be, you know. If your life is a washing machine, you set that thing to hope. You set that thing to Maranatha, okay. Everyone who hopes in him, whose life is set to Maranatha, purifies himself as he is pure. Do you see what John is doing? John's saying that the cultivation of a pure heart, the getting of a pure heart comes from cultivating biblical hope. I know when I see him, 
I will be like him. I will be purified as and I'll purify myself as he is pure. So setting all of your hope on the age to come, setting all of your hope on the return of Jesus is God's ordained means of spurring us on to walk with a pure heart. Okay, done this a bunch, but it's it's carrot and stick, right? Carrot. I'm going to be raised from the dead to inherit everlasting life. I'm going to walk with a pure heart. All right. Stick, if I don't, I'll get cast into a lake of fire. So I'm going to walk with a pure heart, right? It's just basic, simple discipleship, okay? Eschatology, how things work out in the end, drives your discipleship now. I want to get raised from the dead. So I'm going to hope in him and cultivate a pure heart. Hope in Jesus, hope in his day is how we are rid of defilement, all right? And it's just, it's not, you know, always big, magnificent, whatever. It's just this day by day. Week by week, right, we, we gather weekly to remind ourselves of this, to be washed in the word again and again and again, wash ourselves in the mercy of the cross and reminding each other of the glory to come, right? I could have sat in, in my, my office up there and, and sang what could wash away my sin all week long, and it would never have landed on my heart in the way that it did when we all sang it together, right? Like it just... You know, and I don't have Brody back there going, Robert, you know, it's this is we're, we're cultivating biblical hope together, putting our hope together in the cross before the day of the Lord. And this is how we're purified. This is how it works. And so if you're here today and you have a defiled heart, OK, whether you're just, you know, I don't like this term, but I think it's kind of funny. You're just a normal run of the mill center. You know what I mean? Um, your heart has just always given birth to evil thoughts and murders and adulteries and sexual immorality and, and the whole bit. And you've never put your trust in the Lord to wash you and cleanse you of his blood, right? Just run of the mill. Or you're a different kind of sinner, like the Pharisees here, and you've been in church your entire life. And you've kept the, the commands of, of God, you know, outwardly and even kept some of the traditions of man. But in your heart, your worship is in vain. Your, your heart is far from him. So whichever category, right, you're just the run of the mill or you're, the, you're this special kind of sinner that lives in the Bible belt. Whatever category of the promise of the gospel is true for you. Okay, if you will repent of your sins and ask the Lord for mercy and put your hope in his cross for you, for the forgiveness of your sins, before the judgment, you will actually be saved. Whatever kind of sinner you are this morning, this is how it works. And all of the filth, right, that's when Jesus is giving that list, like it's just filth, gross, garbage. All of the filth that pours out of the heart of man in repentance, in asking for mercy, it will actually be cleansed. And you'll actually be raised from the dead to live forever on the last day. Okay? And so if you're going to go down that path, this is what we are here for, to help each other do that. All right? You're going to get on the path, say yes to Jesus, say yes to the cross, say yes to, to, to following him and purifying your heart. We're here to help you. So whatever kind of sinner you can talk to a member of our church, they can tell you what it means to put your trust in Jesus. They can tell you what it means to follow Jesus. And, and if it's the first time, we'll dunk you in, in this pool and make a big deal out of it and, and help you. Like this is the deal. Or you can talk to any of our um, elders after. Okay. So the issue here of a defiled heart is elevating the traditions of men over, over the commands of God. And I just, like it's not a small thing. Okay, Matthew 15 is not in our Bibles because what it, like it's it's a big deal. 
that this happens. It's dangerous, one, for the Pharisees who are propagating it, okay, who are encouraging people to do this. And it's dangerous for those who would follow after them. Okay, so first it's dangerous for the Pharisees. Verse 13, every plant, Jesus says about them, every plant that my heavenly father didn't plant will be uprooted. Okay, so in this context, we've been going through Matthew um, all through the, the, the prophets. Israel's compared to what? Seeds, branches, roots, vines, the whole bit. So we're in Matthew 15 now. Do you remember what Jesus was doing in Matthew 13? He was telling stories about wicked seeds growing into wicked plants and growing and growing and growing and growing. And then at the day of the Lord being chopped down and cast into the fire. John the Baptist's first message is the axe is laid at the root of the tree and it's going to be chopped down and cast into the fire. Every plant, Jesus says, that's not planted by my father will be uprooted. Okay, so this is what's coming for the Pharisees at the judgment because of their wicked hearts, because they're. Elevating the traditions of man over the command of God. And it's what's coming for every religious leader after the Pharisees who have forced those in their charge to follow the traditions of man over and above the commands of God. Okay, like this sort of behavior from religious leaders did not end in the first century. We still do this. We still try to to manipulate and force people to follow our thing over God. And it. It leads to a lake of fire, okay? So not only are the religious leaders and, and God have mercy on us in danger, so are those who follow them. Verse 14, leave them alone, Jesus says. Don't, don't follow the guy who encourages you to elevate his thing over scripture. They're blind guides. And if the, God, the blind guide the blind, what happens? Both fall into a pit, Judgment imagery, okay? So don't don't follow them. Don't go after them. And don't let them condemn you with their man-made tradition, right? Because this is kind of the shtick now, is to uh, elevate their thing that's not scripture. It might not be bad, but it's it's not scripture. It's, it's tradition. And then guilt you into following their thing, all right? Don't go after them. So, whoops. So his application to, to just close this out. I think three things are instructive here. Okay, first is we need to settle in our hearts that we will follow God's commands over church tradition. Okay, it's just that's just how it is. Even if it if it, it causes a stink. Okay, verse verse twelve. The disciples came up to him and told him after he said the thing. He said, "Do you know that the Pharisees took offense when they heard what you said?" Jesus, it really, almost like Jesus, we wish you wouldn't have said that. (laughs) All right, so what are they offended at? They're offended that Jesus said God's commands trump their tradition. And again, this doesn't mean tradition is bad, okay? I've heard Matthew 15 preached like, if you guys have a bulletin, you're going to hell. It's like, what? No, not all tradition uh, is bad. (laughs) Like, just, there's crazies out there, okay? It just means that we don't elevate tradition above God's word. Okay, or or God God's spirit in my um, I'm in my last thank God I'm in my last um, seminary class and uh, we're reading ancient texts. Okay, so like Origen, um, Clement, Athanasius, Augustine, Calvin, all 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 these people, and I'm reading the Christian tradition that has shaped every single person sitting in here, whether you know it or not. Okay, like you live the way that you live because of Augustine again, good or bad, um, but. 
a lot of it's good. A lot of Christian tradition is good and it shaped us and, and formed us um, in ways we can't comprehend. But at the end of the day, our allegiance isn't to what Athanasius taught. It's to what God taught through Moses and Paul and Jesus. Like, you know what I mean? Like, so we want to love, embrace what's good and, and get rid of, of, of what's bad. Okay? On a more local level. Guys, we have to settle in our hearts that if we have a man-made tradition, whatever that be, that's at odds with God's commands or with God's spirit, we go with God's commands. Okay, like the the I've I've heard a a story of a a guy in a church who they were having a, a, you know, board meeting, elder meeting, whatever kind of meeting. And one guy had his Bible open and one guy had his constitution open. And uh, they said, well, what are we going to go with? And the guy held up the Constitution. I was like, oh, God, no, our Constitution's not infallible. You guys know that? Our Bible is, okay? So when push comes to shove, we're going to go with, with God's commands, okay? So first in the church, we choose God's word over, over church tradition. Again, not saying all church tradition is, that's, that's, that's not what I'm saying, okay? But if it comes to it, we go, okay, well, we're going to follow Jesus. Second, settle in your hearts now that we will follow God's commands over secular tradition. Okay? You know what I mean? Like, we, no matter what the cost. So what I mean is, is if, if culture is celebrating what God condemns, okay? Celebrating it, putting it everywhere, treating you poorly because you think that's weird, okay, or, or just wrong or evil... And shoving it down your throat, you settle in your heart. I will not break the commands of God because of your secular tradition. Okay, so just relevant examples for us. Like in love, I'm not going to use your pronouns. I'm not going to do it. In love, I'm not going to act like it's normal or or cool or 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 just... It's not normal or it's wicked to lop off the sex organs of children. Not gonna. I'm not gonna be nuanced or winsome about that. I just say no. That's evil and that's wicked and and it, it's not. I'm in love. We're not gonna celebrate or acknowledge the validity of, of two dudes getting married or two. Like we're, we're not gonna do it. We're not gonna be jerks about it, right? This is this is the issue, right? So we can't seem to figure out how to speak the truth in love. We have to. Okay, but we're going to be clear like this is not okay. This is wicked. This is against what God has said. This is against what brings goodness and light and flourishing on the earth. And we're going to also be clear that God loves that gender confused person. And God loves the the wicked parents and public school teachers and politicians who would encourage trans surgery for children. God loves them and God loves the couple that's mocking his sacred union of marriage. Okay. Clear that this is evil. Clear that God loves you and God loves them in the same way that he loves us. And he sent his son to die for them so they might be freed from their sin and freed from their delusion and this present evil age. But the point is, we're going to follow the Lord and not the culture. Whatever the creed is, okay? Like whatever they're saying and singing and putting on signs, like we're, we, we say no, okay? On a, on a less intense thing, if... Secular tradition says take your kids out of church every Sunday, okay, not two, three times a year, but every single Sunday for sports. We just say no. We're not going to do that. We're art camp, or I don't know what, you know. We, no, like, we're not going to do it. We're not going to do it. We're just saying no. We're, we're going to worship Jesus on Sunday with our church. 
as much as we can. If secular tradition says that, that husbands are selfish oafs and, and wives are disrespectful brats, we say no to that. And we give our husbands love and, and our husbands love and give their lives for their wives and wives respect and honor their husbands. You know what I mean? Like, this is kind of a, because I like, I, just full disclosure, I watch the show now, but when I was little, I couldn't watch The Simpsons because my parents loved me, okay? <laughs> But the reason, the reason, one of the main reasons they said is because the dad on The Simpsons is an idiot. He's just a total idiot. And so I didn't, they didn't want me growing up thinking adult men are idiots. They wanted me growing up honoring and respecting adult men and, and parents. And like, like, you know, like that's just, that's the thing is adult men are idiots. Wives are smarter. Like, it's like, no, that's not the vision God gives us. Husbands love and lead and give their lives and wives respect. Like, it's just, we're not going to follow that thing. And I could do a million different examples of what culture says. and what, But whatever the tradition is, we're not going to honor that thing or acknowledge that thing above the word of the Lord. We're not going to bend or, or capitulate to the secular creed. We're going to follow Jesus, okay? In church, in, in the world. And then the last thing from Matthew... 15 is we're going to cultivate a pure heart. Proverbs 4.23, keep your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. It's a big deal. This means doing First Corinthians or 2 Corinthians 13.5, right? Examine yourself, test yourself, see what's, what's going on in there. It means doing Psalm 139, right? Psalm 51, Psalm 139 should always be close to you. Search me and know me, God. See if there be any wicked way in me and give me the fear of of the Lord. This is the way to a pure heart. Okay? So Robert, if you would please help us. Uh, I want to pray for you guys and then invite the elders um, for prayer as well. Just side note, while I'm thinking about it, uh, Easter Sunday 2023, I need all of the ladies in hats like Lainey. Okay? All right, let's pray. Let's pray. Father, thank you for um, thank you for the scripture. Um, thank you for your spirit that leads us and guides us into truth. Um, thank you for the example we have um, from Jesus, God, to to honor the, the command of God, honor the word of the Lord. Um, God, I ask that you would give us um, clarity on, on your word, what it says, how we can obey it. I ask that you would give us a spine, give us a backbone, God, to uh, follow it when it's not popular, whether that's in church or out of, out, of, out of church, God. We want to be loyal to you and to your word, for we know from, from your mouth, God, spring, God, life, words of life. You alone have the words of life. Where else are we going to go? God, I ask you for um, our, our church, God, the, the members of, of, of Christian Life Church and, and anyone else here. God, that you would, you would give us what David prayed for. God, a pure heart, an undefiled spirit, renew a right spirit within us. Give us the fear of the Lord. God, and we, we sang about, talked about, God, thank you for the mercy of the cross. 
Then we start to walk the path of a defiled heart. God, your mercy, your grace, your spirit calls back. Thank you, God, for the offer of, of repentance and forgiveness. We're going to sing um, at the end today what, what Robert's plan now. Uh, Refiner's fire, give me an undefiled heart. Purify my heart. So b- before the elders um, come up here, I just want to take like two minutes. And you just sit with that and ask the Lord, God, purify my heart. Give me an undefiled heart.